0: Every time I think about that, I mean, I'm just reminded of some of the greatest gifts that Jesus has ever given us. First off, God the Father has given us his son for the redemption of our sins to, to purchase us back from, from the enemy's hands. And then he's like, you know what? I'm not done. I want to give you something even greater. I want to give you the Holy Spirit to empower you to live the life that I just redeemed you for, for. I want to empower you to to live the life that, that I intended for you to live and recognizing that in and of our own flesh, we cannot do that. And that's exactly what we've been seeing. All of Acts and everything we've been from the beginning of our series up till now, we've seen Christ's desire for all of Jesus, for all the world, Right, It is the Alliance theme, it's, it's what we stand upon, it's what we're passionate about. Our desire is to fulfill the Great Commission by going and making disciples. But all throughout the book of Acts, the one common theme is that none of this would have been possible, none of the gospel advancement, none of the healings, none of the people raising from the dead, none of that would be possible without the power of the Holy Spirit empowering his people to live and love well. And what we see up to this point is that Paul desperately desired, right? The the disciples, Paul and others, desperately desired to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And out of that filling and out of that indwelling came the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, no matter where they were at. And if you're just with us and you're just joining us, We've been on a journey through the book of Acts, and we are in the middle and close to the end of Paul's third missionary journey. And we've seen him go all the way around Asia and Galatia and to Corinth and and Acacia. And we've seen his time in Troas last week where he spent time with a church first day of the week praising, worshiping Jesus. But the one thing we saw that Paul was so good at was that he was so good at encouraging people. He desired throughout as he planted churches to go back through and encourage them. And last week we saw that he went throughout encouraging the disciples to continue on preaching the gospel, even in the midst of persecution and everything that was happening. And last week we saw probably, you know, the passage of probably one of the greatest messages that Paul ever gave that lasted a few hours. And we saw a young teen boy fall out of a window and and because he was so tired and we saw him die, but we saw the power of the Holy Spirit through Paul resurrect him. And we saw at the end of that, that they went away from this message, this service, the breaking of bread, the communion, the worshiping, everything else in between with encouragement. They were encouraged. And now we see Paul, last week, he, he, he ended that, he left that. And this morning, we're going to, to look at um, something else that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, Chuck and Kay, you know, you gave your challenge to us that you're going to live for Jesus. The church gave their challenge that they were going to encourage all members all the time. But this morning, what we're going to see is a commitment that I think all the elders here would stand upon to shepherd you well. And we're going to see what that looks like. What does it look like to, to lead and love well? What does it look like to be a great spiritual leader in the midst of, of everyday life? And so if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Acts chapter 20. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning as we read this. we're going to start in verse uh, 13. Uh, Paul had gone up, broken bread, and, and until daybreak, and it says that at daybreak he departed. But 13 just says this, but going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Isos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Isos, we took him on board and went to and sailing from there, we came to the following day opposite of Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos, and the day after that, we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus, that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of that church to come to him, And of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify you to this day that I am innocent of blood of all. For I do not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves would rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. You guys can see seated. Well, Jesus... For the next few moments that we look at your word and as we pull things out, Lord, we are asking for enlightenment from you. We're asking for you to speak, Jesus. Allow your, your words to, to meditate and penetrate our hearts. Allow your spirit to, to fully empower and embrace us. God, may our eyes and hearts be open to how you're moving and, and your desire and calling on each and every single one of us, Jesus. Both as individuals and as The church as a whole. Lord, we're asking for you to speak. Guide us, lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Paul is traveling. His desire to get back to Jerusalem, not only with what we see in Corinthians, we got to understand that last week we learned. That right here in Acts 20, the beginning of Acts 20 is when he wrote the letter to 2 Corinthians and he wrote the letter to to Roman, to to the church in Rome. And in those letters, he talked about how he received money that he was desperately desiring to get back to Jerusalem. And so he is trying to get back to Jerusalem. But the reason he is on land is because he heard um, in in the previous passage that there were ships waiting to, to kind of steal that. And so he was like, you know what? I'm going to walk by land through a certain point, and then I'm going to get on a ship and hopefully be able to get to Jerusalem. His desire is to get to Jerusalem for Pentecost. In church, what is Pentecost? (laughs) That is the celebration of when the Holy Spirit came upon us in the beginning of Acts that was Pentecost. Paul's desire is to go and celebrate the greatness and the gift of the Holy Spirit with the church in Jerusalem, the big church, the, 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 the ultimate sending church. And so Paul is here, and, and he, he wanted to avoid Ephesus. He's traveling. He didn't want to go back through Ephesus, so he went around there, partly because he didn't want to waste time of getting there of possibly being arrested or possibly something happening. And he happened to spend time um, in Ephesus. And so he avoided Ephesus as a whole and went on. And while he was in Miletus, he called for the elders. See, Paul's desire wasn't just to rush things. He still had a desire for church leaders. He still had a desire to admonish and exhort the churches on his way back. And he knew that this was going to be the last time that he saw Uh, the elders in Ephesus. And so he wanted to spend time with them. So instead of being in Ephesus, he invited them to travel down to to Miletus um, so that he can exhort them, that he can encourage them, that he can pray for them. Um, And so he invited them down. And in the midst of that, you know, he, he reminded them, hey, listen, you knew how I loved them, how I lived among you for three years plus. You know how I was led by the Spirit, how I continued to preach the gospel to you, how I exhorted you, how I challenged you, even if sometimes it was hard, you needed it in order for you to grow in Christ. And then his, 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 his reminder outside of that is, hey, listen, it's you that are going to lead the church. It's you that are going to encourage the sheep. They're going to church the bride of Christ. It's you who are going to admonish. And so Paul is saying, hey, listen. Protect yourselves and look after the flock for which God has called you. Each local church should have a set of leaders who are responsible to care and love them. And so Paul is here admonishing them, encouraging them, challenging them, saying, hey, listen, keep watch, pay attention, because you are responsible for this church. You're responsible for the churches that you lead. And so in the midst of that, we see this weeping and the crying because this was the last time Paul was going to be with them. But I'm so grateful for this passage. In a little bit, we're going to look at why this passage is so important and what is the the application and the encouragement for us as believers. But here's a couple things that we have to understand when it comes to leadership. Leadership wasn't the result of the fall. God, the fall didn't happen and God says, hey, we got to put leaders in position and we got to do this. If you look at Genesis before the fall, God created Adam and then put him in charge of the garden. He said that he was to, to cultivate and take care of the garden. He was to name the animals. And then his wife came and Adam says, hey, you got to look after her and take care of your wife and lead her well. Leadership was before the fall. Leadership is a, a God-ordained, holy, holy position, even calling for each and every single one of us. But the fall came and tarnished all of that and caused sin and everything to infiltrate and come into existence. And when we look at Scripture and any time that God really does talk about leadership, especially in the New Testament, leadership is in the form of plurality. It is plural. And so Paul is here addressing the plurality of elders, the the church leaders as a whole together, not just one individual. It's not one individual's job to oversee and lead the church, right? It's not the lead pastor's job solely to lead and love the people well. It is the church, church leadership as a whole. And when God designed the local church, he, through his wisdom, placed the plurality of elders because shepherding, overseeing, leading requires a team. It isn't about one man running the show. I love this quote here. It says this: plurality is God's means of leading the church to fulfill its purpose, but it's also a means of growing its leaders. And what we see here, and what we see, is that leaders encourage and challenge each other. And when that is done well, we have a healthy leadership struggle, leadership structure. And so, what is Paul encouraging them? What are some of the things that we can gain out of this passage? that Paul desired his last words. If, if you can choose your last words for a specific group of people, what would it be? If this was your last time seeing them and you were never going to see them again, what would you want them to know and to hear? And I can imagine that Paul struggled with this and, and he, he prayed and he examined the spirit and he examined scriptures going, God, give me a last word for these men. What is it that you're calling me to admonish them with? And here are some of the things that we can pull out of here. First of all, I believe that the overarching theme that Paul desired the elders to know is that spirit-filled leaders lead well, preach the gospel, and point people to Jesus. Spirit-led people, spirit-empowered, spirit-led, spirit-filled, they lead well, they preach the gospel, they preach the good news of Jesus, and they point people to Jesus and no one else. And so what does this look like? Well, here, if you look at Acts chapter 20, at the beginning, Paul says, listen, look how I led. Look how God encouraged and led me to be humble among you. How he led me to have tears for you, a compassion for you. How I held back from nothing, making sure that everything that I spoke was to encourage and exhort and challenge you and to make you grow. And so Spirit-filled leaders lead well by reflecting the goodness and love of Christ through the impact of the gospel. Paul is like, listen, Christ has impacted my life and because he's impacted my life, I am called to live that out among you. And so for three years, I did that. I led through the gospel. My desire is, to, is for you and for me to know nothing else but Christ crucified and raised again. That was Paul's desire for the people here in Ephesus, and anywhere he went, was that Christ would be glorified, and that he would reflect that. Listen, the gospel, when applied deep, deeply, humbles us, makes us tender, and makes us courageous. Paul led with humility. He wasn't about himself. Paul never led once with a a, a celebrity mentality. He never led with a saying saying that I'm better than anyone else, that, I, that, that, that because I'm planning these churches, that, that I'm supreme in this. Paul led with a, a humility saying, no, like I'm laying down my life for the sake of you knowing Jesus. And so he was humble. And if we are impacted by the gospel and we fully believe in Jesus, well, then Christ's gospel should lead us to be humble ourselves, that we should lead in love out of a sense of humility for everyone around us. And not only that, but Paul says that he cried for the people, that he was tender for them, that he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were lost in need of Jesus, and he wanted to make sure that everyone knew who Christ was. And so Christ, if we are encountered by the gospel and the Spirit of God is transforming us, then God would lead us to have a heart of tenderness, that we would be tender towards those that we come in contact with. This isn't a a sissy mentality. This isn't a wimpy mentality. Christ was tender. Christ was compassionate. Christ cried for his people. And if we are empowered by the Spirit, then that should lead us to be tender as well, to represent Christ. And not only should we be tender, but the Holy Spirit and the gospel should make us courageous. Meaning this, this, Paul never backed away from preaching the gospel, even if it made people uncomfortable, even if it made them upset, even if they made them angry. Paul's desire to preach Jesus was through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He was courageous. He wasn't demeaning. He didn't put people down, but he wasn't afraid to, to, to speak Jesus to the people. And sometimes preaching scripture would actually cause us to reflect and cause us to repent of our sins. And Paul's desire was to be courageous so that people would repent of their sins and turn to Christ. And so he did that everywhere. Listen, I fully believe this, is that spirit-filled leaders know the people, and the people know them. I firmly believe that as elders and as leaders of any Christian leader of a church, we should be among our people. We should get to know them we should spend time with them. Paul said he spent three years getting to know the people in this community. And so as, as elders and as a pastor and as spiritual leaders, no matter what, even as Christians, we should desire to be among the people. We should desire to get to know their fears and their loves and their joys, that we should eat with them and, and converse with them, and that back, the people should get to know their leaders I hear so many times, and and partly this is why I'm grateful that I'm not a part of a large church, is that sometimes in large churches, the main preaching pastor has no connection to the people in their church. They preach, and that's it. After services, when you're desiring to talk to them, or even during the week, um, you don't get to connect with them. Pastors and elders should be able to be in homes with people, and commune with them, and break bread with them, and, and spend time with them. And Paul and these Ephesian elders, like that was something Paul, Paul understood and got to know the people. And that was his admonish for his elders. It's like saying, hey, if the Spirit's leading you, then the Spirit should lead you to get to know your people, to get to know anything about them so you know how to present the gospel to them. Now, this isn't for every situation. There's gonna be times where the pastor just doesn't have time because so much is happening. But if that is all the time and the pastor never, intends to spend time with his people, or the el- you never see the elders because they run more like business and trustees than actual elders, then there's something wrong there. And, and this is a challenge, in my opinion, to encourage your church leadership um, to, hey, like, come over for a meal. Come get to know us. Listen, spirit-filled leaders preach and teach the gospel. If you are a part of this church, or, or you're visiting, or you're a part of another church, whatever that may be, or you're talking to people who are looking for a church, here's criteria. Are they preaching the Bible? Are they preaching Jesus? Are they talking about the death and resurrection of Christ? Are they calling people to the repentance of sins? All these things Paul is saying, hey, as, a, as, as elders, as leaders, as, as Christians, preach the gospel. Make sure that it's known. In one of the books that the elders are reading, this is is one of the quotes. After all, elders bear authority over Jesus's church only to the extent that they teach, obey, and enforce Jesus's words. The job of an elder is to proclaim and carry out biblical teaching in the life of the church. Are the elders, are the pastors, is the church leadership, whether it's in kids ministry on, are they preaching Jesus? Are they pointing people to Christ? Are they exhorting God's word? Are they helping the people to understand? This is what an elder should be responsible for. And Paul is admonishing them saying, hey, preach Jesus. Spirit-filled leaders walk by the Spirit to care for and protect their sheep. If there's one verse in all of Scripture, in in this passage, that I want to encourage you to memorize, underline, take down, as elders, or even as people, like this is what we should be committed to. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his blood. Listen, the enemy will do two things to disrupt the church, attack the leaders and attack the church. If the leaders are attacked and leaders are not paying attention to themselves and they're living in sin and they're falling into sin and all these things are happening, well, then how can they lead the church? The church will not have biblical leaders. But sometimes the leaders are spot on. The leaders are just following Christ. They have a desire to, to lead by the spirit. They have a desire to, to point people to the way that God is calling them as leaders to go. And yet it's the people who are being attacked. And the enemy causes, infiltrates the church and causes disunity and causes disruption from the people. And all these things are happening. And is the calling of us as elders of spiritual leaders to pay attention to all of this as elders and as spiritual leaders, we should be committed to walking by the Spirit. We should be committed to what Paul calls in the Colossians to put off our old self and to continually put on the new life, which is in Christ. As leaders, if we are alive in Christ and we desire to, to bring glory to the Father and we bring glory to Jesus, then we should be putting on the things of Christ. We should be putting on daily the armor of God. We should be spending time in the Word of God and allowing that to transform us and to influence our thoughts and influence our understanding and influence our leadership. Now, this doesn't mean that when we care for and teach and, and, and protect the flock, the, the elders are going to make things that, that you quite honestly don't like. They may lead the church in one direction and, and you for um, and for you, you want it the old way. You want it to stay the way, and the elders and God is calling them to new ways, calling them to, to new ministries, new things. Not everything the elders are going to do are going to make you happy, but if the elders are desperately desiring to be led by the Spirit, then the things that they're doing and the changes that they're making, the things they're doing should be reflective of what God is calling them to but in that, if elders are making decisions based off what they want, their flesh, their desires, then that is not biblical. And as a body, as a church, you should hold them accountable, saying, "Hey, are you seeking Christ?" If the elders are abiding in Christ, looking into Scripture, spending time in prayer, allowing the Spirit to fill them and empower them, then they should be being led by the Spirit, and the, their fruits and their evidences should be evident for that. Elders, we have to remind our, always remind ourselves who we are. We are the sheep of Jesus. We're sinful men, saved and sustained by grace, following the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, while also being handed the shepherd's crook to feed his lambs. As elders, church, we have to, you have to also understand that as spiritual leaders, we're human beings too, which is why Paul is saying, care for yourself. Why? Because if we're not paying attention we can fall ourselves. We can fall into sin. Which is why it's important for us to care for that. But we have to also understand that as elders, we're human beings. We're sinful people. Which is why we need to rely upon the Holy Spirit more so. But here's the thing. You can look at Scripture, right? And we can look at all the qualifications for deacons, for overseers, for elders, for shepherds, for pastor. Which, by the way... Paul, in this passage, uses three different words for leader here. In the Greek, he uses the word overseer, shepherd, and, 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 and pastor. He uses all three interchangeable. So when we look out through the New Testament, anytime we see these, they mean the same thing. As elders, we're the pastors, we're the shepherds, we're the overseers, we're the encouragers, we're the trainer that God has called us to lead. But we have to understand that we are saved and sustained by grace and grace alone. And so we have to follow the good shepherd while also being handed the shepherd's crook to feed his lambs. Jesus, remember, Jesus to Peter says, Hey, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Yes. He says, Feed my sheep. We're called to feed his sheep. We're called to lead well. How do we do it? How are ways that we can do that? Well, Paul says to the elders, it is better to give than to receive. As leaders, as elders, we are to give and don't expect to gain. If you're an elder and, 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 and your desire is to lead so that you can gain something out of this, then you're not in the right humbling yourself and leading well. Because as elders, our desire isn't to gain. Our desire is to surrender, to sacrifice, to love, to sheep that God has called us to lead. And our gain and our satisfaction should be found in Christ. Not only that, but we should be laying down our, ourselves. We should be laying down our finances. We should be living the life that Christ calls us to reflect. And in this passage, Paul is not only saying it to leadership, but, but as elders, we should also take care of the poor and the needy and those that are out. Are we living the lives that Christ is calling us to live? Are we sacrificing? Are we surrendering for, for those that God has called us to lead? And as a church... My hope, my prayer is that this is exactly what you've seen from your elders. That you've seen them care. That you've seen them shepherd well. They've overseen and led this church well. That is a desire we have is to lead and reflect Christ. So how are we to apply this? Paul is admonishing the elders of the church. How are we as church members? How are we as people who who claim to be under the leadership of the elders of a church? How are we to lead? Well, Hebrews 13, seven says this. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. If they are leading through the leading empowerment of the spirit, then we are called to imitate their faith. We're called to look at them. We're called to, to obey them. We're called to follow them. But if they are not leading this way and they're not leading out of the empowerment of the Spirit and they're leading from selfish ambition and selfish desires, then as a church, we should not follow them because they're not leading the way that Christ has called them to lead. But if they are, if they are and, and their lives are reflecting what they preach and their lives are reflecting the gospel, then consider their way of life and imitate it, live it, love it. But I also encourage you this we should invite the gospel to work deeply into our hearts that we too may become humble, tender, and courageous. Though while we're not in leadership positions and we're not an elder, we're not an overseer, we're not a teacher, Christ has called each and every single one of us to lead and love well through the gospel, to be empowered by the Spirit. So as elders, our commitment to you is that we would lead and love well Our commitment to you is that we're seeking the empowerment and presence of the Spirit in every decision that we make. That if we're not doing this and you're seeing us fall into sin or you're seeing things that you question, we want to invite you to come talk to us about it. My hope and prayer that as elders we would be open to hearing feedback and open to hearing you guys when it comes to how we're leading. whether you're, you're here visiting and this is not your church, examine this, examine your elders. Is this the way they're leading? Do you, do, do you know and are you sensing that they're leading out of the empowerment of the Spirit for their local church? Every local church, every elder, if they're following the Spirit, they're going to lead in different ways, but the, the common factor in every church should be the gospel of Jesus being preached. If Christ is not exalted and Christ is not being preached and, and they're not leading out of that, then I want you to leave that church. Because that is not the way that Christ is calling you to, 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 to lead a church. But if they're loving Christ and they're desiring to be led out of the Spirit, then my encouragement for you is to humbly follow them. Be willing to submit to leaders that Christ has empowered over that church. But it shouldn't be about control. The elders shouldn't be wanting to control things. The elders should be wanting to lead the flock well. And what is going to point them to Jesus matters more than our own self-comfort. It's our prayer as elders, is Lord, show us how do we lead our church well? What are the things that we have to implement? What are the ministries we're called to do? What are the worship songs we're called to do? What are the books of the Bible that we're called to study? What are the small groups we're called to do, Lord? We want to hear from you and we want to be led by you. My hope, and my prayer, that is as a church, that's exactly what you're experiencing from us. And when it's not, well, then we got some changing to do. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Lord, it says that at the end of the passage that they wept and cried together, that there was a sense of intimacy, a sense of unity a sense of longing and compassion to be with one another. God, I pray that that is a reflection of our church, that we long to be with each other, that we long to grow and get to know each other. Lord, I know what it's like to leave a church and care and have compassion and cry because there's certain people that you probably will never see again. And Paul's heart here is so pure in that. He loved them. He cared for them. He desired to see them walk with Christ and for them to know Christ and grow in him. And I'm so thankful for this example and I'm so thankful for Luke writing what it looks like for for healthy churches to have healthy leaders. But God, I pray, Father, that we would lead out of the empowerment of the Spirit. Lord, as a church, as elders, as leaders, may we humbly submit to you, Jesus, in everything that we do. And as we worship you, Jesus, May our lips continually bring your name glory in you alone. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.